Welcome to the Lot Carey Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, pastor of the First Baptist Church of New Market in Piscataway, New Jersey, and learning coordinator for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. The Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving weekly podcast grows from a multi-year journey among pastors committed to flourishing in ministry. This is a project of the Lot Carey Foreign Mission Society and is made possible through the generous support from the Lilly Endowment. Learn more about Lot Carey and how it helps churches to extend the Christian witness throughout the world at lotcarey.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot org. Join us for weekly conversations with pastoral thought leaders who share wisdom from the Black church for the whole church. Let's join Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, Associate Dean for Vocational Formation and Christian Witness at Duke Divinity School and the Project Director for Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. This week, He's in conversation with Reverend Dr. Elaine Flake, co-pastor of the Greater Allen AME Cathedral of New York. We are thrilled to welcome Dr. Elaine Flake, uh, the co-pastor of Greater Allen Cathedral in New York as a guest in our Lot Carey Pilgrimage of Striving and Thriving podcast. Welcome, Dr. Flake, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much, Dr. Goldley. It is a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. Well, as you are aware, more than 50 pastors have been on pilgrimage together toward flourishing in ministry. Our assumption is that every round does not go higher and higher. <laughs> that flourishing in ministry requires both striving and thriving, and flourishing in ministry can be understood sometimes like a tree. There are times when there are leaves, there are times where there are blossoms, sometimes the leaves are falling away, sometimes there are only branches, but still the tree can be healthy and thriving. Well, that's one way to think about flourishing in ministry. Can you describe for us what flourishing in ministry looks like to you? I think that one should, uh, has to really be sensitized to the context, their ministry context. And in considering the ministry context, then perhaps develop a mission statement that would help guide them in their uh, endeavors, um, a mission statement that is, is reflective of the context and the ministry to which they are called or the ministry they feel called. Um, flourishing in ministry certainly looks different for everyone. I, I think I think that, you know, we, we pastor out of personality. 
we pastor out of passion and a person who has a passion for women or passion for children versus a person, a minister who has a passion uh, for social justice. Uh, ministry might look different for, for those, uh, it, it, uh, those individuals. And so what we have to do is just kind of know the context, know who we are, follow our passions, follow our leadings, follow uh, the voice of God, of course, and then be committed to seeing the manifestation of the mission statement, the manifestation of your passions, perhaps, and uh, understand that there are highs, there are lows, there are obstacles that will come, and you may even have to change, you may have to adapt uh, your uh, original mission, your original goal, but knowing that as long as you have a hunger for souls and if as long as you are really giving it your best and uh, exploring the avenues that are available to you in terms of resources, um, you know, I, I think that term flourishing, certainly you're looking for not so much numerical growth as you're looking for spiritual growth as you're looking for emotional stability, there are a number of things that we can provide in ministry. Uh, we just have to be sensitive to the reality that uh, we have to be observant and see what is needed and see if we can then indeed provide some of the things that are needed. Can't provide everything, but some of the things. One of the interesting words you use in talking about flourishing uh, just now uh, was you talked about adapting. Right. And I want to ask you about that a little bit because sometimes people have the idea that, you know, this is where God is calling me to go and I'm going that mm -hmm. way. And if I'm successful going that way, then there may be flourishing. But you just talked mm -hmm. about adapting. Can you say something about the place of being able to, to adapt and still mm -hmm. flourish and still be living in the will of God? One of the things that comes to my mind, you know, in the middle of uh, our building a school and trying to establish a strong educational institution, um, someone gave us the opportunity to develop a women's resource center, which uh, housed women and children that were victims of domestic violence. Now that it was nothing that was on our mind. That was nothing I thought about really there, you know, nothing that I dreamed to do. And so uh, <laughs> we, we kind of reluctantly submitted a proposal and to our surprise, uh, it was accepted and we found ourselves in the midst of having to do something we never ever planned to do, but it was indeed for the greater good. Likewise, there, um, as we were, you know, developing the school, we thought about eventually going to high school, but we found that that was not um, something that needed to be done that we needed to do. You know, so we had to 
shift our vision and focus on educating up to eighth grade. So, uh, and, and, and those are kind of broad examples, but I think that, uh, you know, you count on relationships and relationships end. And so you have to adapt to the loss. Uh, and sometimes they end through death. Sometimes they end through separation. But, and, and you were counting on an individual to kind of help see this vision through, but something happened. And whatever happened, you could not uh, avoid. So you have to make adjustments. We, we've had to make adjustments and you have to make them uh, not grudgingly. You just have to keep pushing, understanding that if you have a vision, if you have a mission, then you believe that God will give you who you need and what you need to carry it out. Now, there are times you may have to let a vision go. You may not have the funding. You may not have the resources for now. And you, uh, you may have to let it go for a while and perhaps you can come back to it. But that's life. That's just kind of how life is. And certainly that is how ministry uh, is evolving, you know, will evolve and continues to evolve for most of us. We just have to make adjustments. Well, that, that's, that's going to help somebody to know that uh, if I have to change, that's okay. It's okay. Because circumstances uh, change and sometimes the Lord closes a door and sometimes the Lord opens a door. Uh, will open a door, absolutely. Wonderful. Another thing you said earlier about flourishing, if I heard you right, you talked mm -hmm. about a pastor has to serve out of the pastor's personality. Can you talk a little bit about personality and pastor and, and how that connects to flourishing? Yeah, I remember years ago, someone um, gave the definition. It may have been someone like Dr. Jim Forbes gave the def definition of preaching, said preaching was indeed sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ within the context of personality. Uh, because, uh, you know, a serious-minded preacher will preach one way, uh, a more comical preacher will preach another, you know, and so we preach out of personality, which we can see uh, just through the myriad of uh, preaching styles that we have witnessed and experienced in our lifetimes. Well, I think that pastoring is the same. Uh, again, when you think about uh, pastors and their personalities. Uh, some are more laid back, some are more aggressive, some are more maternal or, or paternal. Others, you know, might be a little aloof, but they kind of, but they get, get it done and, and they shape an environment that is conducive or that is reflective of their personality. And I'm sure you can think about, you go into one church and it's one way, Another church is really friendly and everybody's just laughing and gregarious. Another church is very reserved. And that is reflective usually of the pastor and the culture he has created or she has created, the environment that he or she has created, and understanding that regardless of personality, I feel, and regardless of the culture, there will be people who are attracted to respective cultures. Some people are very comfortable 
with a, uh, a more traditional church setting and some like a, a livelier worship. And so, so regardless to kind of how you are, you know, in terms of personality, you kind of uh, create an atmosphere and there will be those who will be attracted. I, you know, I firmly believe that. When you talked about personality, it made me think of a, a somewhat of a related idea that, that we have in terms of thinking about uh, flourishing in ministry, where we talk about how a pastor's capacity mm-hmm. and context mm-hmm. should together be considered to help them shape their content of right. ministry so that they mm-hmm. don't try to just drag and drop something that they saw somebody else to do. So mm-hmm. thinking about uh, when you talked about capacity, uh, personality, can you say something about the how a pastor's capacity, what they're capable of doing, mm-hmm. relates to content in ministry, whether it's an example from your own pastoral life or something mm-hmm. that you um, witnessed? Well, I think that many times pastors bring to ministry uh, experiences that they have had from the past. For example, I know a couple of guys who went into to ministry from Wall Street from a business background. Well, obviously, they're going to bring that level of knowledge, that level of expertise to ministry. And so when you have a pastor who has perhaps been a, a, a stockbroker or been, you know, been in business, then they are going to bring those gifts to ministry. Um, or sometimes they have a deep, a deep, uh, I, I use that word again, a deep passion for, let me say, social justice. Or, uh, or, or for example, I was a teacher. So before I came to New York, I taught in Boston. So, of course, my uh, knowledge of education and my love for children propelled us in that direction of, of education. And, of course, my husband was coming from Boston University, and so he certainly understood uh, the need for quality education and so we brought those experiences into ministry. And so I, I feel that when you enter into your context, you, all, you always reach in yourself to see what gifts you bring and how those gifts can be beneficial to the ministry context of which you're called. A word to our listeners. Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast is funded by the Lilly Endowment through its Thriving in Ministry initiative. We'll be right back with more from the interview. Since 1897, the Lot Carey Global Christian Missional Community has helped churches to extend the Christian witness around the world through prayer partnership financial support, and technical assistance. We come alongside indigenously-led communities to support ministries of evangelism, compassion, empowerment, and advocacy. Together, we are touching lives with transforming love. 
you can invest in churches, schools, clinics, and more throughout the world. Visit us at lotcary.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot O-R-G. Thanks for your partnership in this ministry. Welcome back to the Lot Carey Podcast, Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. I'm Rev. Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, the Learning Coordinator of Lot Carey's Thriving in Ministry Program. Each week in this podcast, my colleague, Rev. Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, interviews a prominent Black pastoral leader to gain insight for flourishing in ministry. Now back to more of his interview with Rev. Dr. Elaine Flake, co-pastor of the Greater Allen AME Cathedral of New York. Let's talk a little bit about context, because you, you all are in New York, you're in, right. I think, Queens, and right. so, you know, Queens, New York is not Cuyahocason, Virginia, and right. so how... And it's not Harlem, New York. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> so how does a context of ministry inform the content. If you are in an inner city church uh, and that community around you is, uh, is certainly falling apart just in terms of vacant and boarded houses and, and um, uh, you know, maybe crime. Uh, so that's, that's certainly one context. Text uh, that is requires a different kind of uh, ministry focus as compared to someone who is called to a church in a different part of town uh, or on Long Island or in a small town. You you cannot uh, think about building housing. You know, go to the government, for example, and ask for money to build housing if you're in a suburban area, because that's not where the money goes. The money goes to the inner city. And so what what you do is you do have this understanding that you're not just, and I say this often, you're not just called to pastor a church, you're called to the community. And, And in being called to the community, you see how, you see what the need is, and you determine how you are going to address some of those needs. For example, when we came to New York, uh, Allen was in a residential area, but the street that we were on was definitely, uh, you know, there were boarded up buildings and crack dealers on the corner. Uh, And so our mission then became to buy up buildings so that we could close bars and close liquor stores and close uh, corner bodegas that were selling drugs. Those were the things that we needed to do to kind of help rebuild the community. And that is what my husband did. Uh, We bought store after store after store, you know, lot after lot. And so that we could reshape the evolution of a wonderful community, 
but it was really going down. But we just, you know, he just had this vision to bring it back up again. And so that, that determined the context. Clearly, if we had been called to a, a suburban church in New Jersey, we, you know, ministry would, would have evolved differently. You have a real gift for organization, managing, strategy, which is sometimes seen differently. Can you say a word about uh, how those kinds of gifts uh, have served you well for some people who say, look, I'm not, you know, leading out of pure charisma and pure inspiration. <laughs> I like to plan. I like to execute. I like to evaluate. I like to improve it. Can you say a word about how those kinds of gifts are useful for pastoral life? You have to know yourself <laughs> and you have to be comfortable with who you are, but you also have to be open, as I said, to expanding a little bit. Uh, now, one of the things, you know, we were called to a church that was, old, you know, had some older people. And, um, you know, as we, even as we grew, the need for sick visitation, the need for funeral planning and preaching was just much, so much more than I could handle from an emotional perspective and, and physically. And so I had to conclude that though some people say, you know, to, good, to be a good pastor, you've got to visit the sick, you've got to bury the dead. And, you know, and here in New York, to go to some of the, the uh, cemeteries is a day trip. And so if you're going to, you know, if you're building and if you're doing ministry, you know, schools and, 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 and infrastructure, building an infrastructure, you can't do it all. And so you determine what you can do. So one of our first hires was someone from Membership Nurture who took care of the sick visitation and who took care of the funeral planning and going to the cemetery, which is a two and a half hour ride out there and a two and a half hour ride back and maybe longer because you'll be in traffic. So, you know, again, looking at your context, looking at your personality, looking at your, your, your passions and your mission, you then have to structure uh, your, your staff and your ministry accordingly. And it's not to say that, you know, and every church may not have the capacity to hire, but you may be, you might have a volunteer, which we found when we got here. There was a, an older gentleman who volunteered. He was just happy to be able to go into hospitals that he felt that was his ministry. And so the pastor that, that uh, preceded us, he was able to use this gentleman to do sick visitation because as you know, as your context grows and, and you have other uh, agenda items, you certainly don't want your people to be neglected. But, and, uh, and so you kind of structure accordingly. Now there are some pastors who thrive on sick visitation and thrive on membership nurture. Then they leave the administrative side to someone else. And so, it, it, again, you, you pastor out of your passions and your personality 
and how you want to be, um, how you want to serve your people. A lot of people uh, look to you for, to be an exemplar. Uh, and sometimes people don't realize that where you are now, you weren't always there. Right. Can you give us one example of an area of leadership that you had to develop as a pastor? Well, almost everything, because, you know, <laughs> of course, I was not trained to never thought about being in ministry. Um, when I often say that when my husband proposed, one of the things that he said to me is that he would never pastor, that he wanted to do, uh, he wanted to be the president of a black college and HBCU. So that's where my head was. Uh, but when we ended up here, the only thing I had to draw on was what I had seen from my pastor's wife in, um, in Boston. I was a member of St. Paul AME Church in Cambridge, Massachusetts under uh, John, Pastor John and Cecilia Bryant. Uh, and I, I had just watched their ministry and I had, and I certainly had seen some things that I would love to replicate. And so when I entered into, uh, and you know, I was not preaching. I was just the quote unquote traditional first, lady, the untraditional first lady, because I didn't wear hats. So, 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 uh, you know, and, and I certainly was uh, looking to partner with him uh, to help build church and help build community. So I just developed skills, um, developed um, a, an understanding of how to build a church, you know, reading books, talking to people. Um, and so by the time my husband ran for Congress, we had started the school and, but he had an administrator, he had a, an executive assistant pastor, he always had one uh, that, that afforded him the opportunity to do what he did in terms of community. And so um, mostly everything that I do, I have learned, you know, talking to friends, uh, again, reading, um, just, just understanding that if, if you want to do ministry with any level of excellence, uh, you just kind of have to start from where you are so can you say a word, uh, because you and your husband have shared pastoral ministry and shared mm -hmm. pastoral responsibilities in the same context. So for somebody who is uh, listening around the country, around the world, uh, and they uh, are in ministry in a shared pastoral leadership with their spouse, mm -hmm. can you say, uh, you know, give a couple of tips about uh, what you have learned about sharing the pastoral office with your spouse? Sure. Uh, well, one thing that I often say is that as every marriage is different, every uh, shared co-pastor leadership, that, that whole dynamic is going to be different and that you should always establish a you know ministry a shared ministry that is reflective of the marriage 
well, of all the ministry couples that I know, we all do it differently. <laughs> mm. We do things differently. Uh, and, and, and so you really go according to the need for the family, the need for the church, and the personalities of the, of, of the, the wife and the husband. And there can be no competition. And so from your vantage point as being an experienced pastor and nurturing other pastoral leaders, what advice would you like to give those who are listening to this podcast about what they can do to flourish in ministry? Never compartmentalize your life. Uh, your ministry should flow out of a deep commitment to the things of God. Your ministry should flow out of a belief in the word of God. And we, there should never be a time where you push God or leave God out. As you are growing and as you're developing the church, there has to be a connection to God, the God who you say called you. Uh, never leave that God out and always seek the guidance and ask God to order your steps and be very, very intentional about your own spiritual growth and your own spiritual stability. And when you feel yourself sinking and you feel yourself weakening, then address it. You know, being in a church setting, you know, the black church in particular, the way pastors are catered to, the way pastors are sometimes put on pedestals, and, you know, people begin to expect it, you, you begin to expect it, and they're, they're, they're develop, many pastors develop a sense of invincibility, which is really, really not good. So we should always be Christ dependent. We should always know that it can be here today and gone tomorrow. And we never let ourselves become so arrogant that we become like King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, and just say, look what I have done and leave God out. Because to do that is to really have that kind of experience. And you don't want that Nebuchadnezzar experience where, you know, you are just totally isolated from God. Uh, and it was not until he looked up and declared uh, that Jesus, that 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 God was sovereign, that he was able to re recover all. And so we don't. We just want to always leave God in. God is the center of, and God is the motivation behind what we do. Not not public acclaim, but giving God glory. Thank you, Dr. Flake, for being with us. We've been blessed uh, to be in conversation in this Pilgrimage of Striving and Thriving podcast with Dr. Elaine M. Flake, the co-pastor at Greater Allen Cathedral AME Church in Queens, New York. Thank you so much for being with us and sharing your time and your insight, Dr. Flake. Thank you, sir. Thank you for joining us today for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, a weekly podcast from Lot Carey as we listen in on conversations with prominent pastoral thought leaders. 
Join us next week for a conversation with a new guest and fresh insights. Wisdom from the Black Church for the whole church. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving is produced in partnership with Good Faith Media. Music by Makita McQuarrie. Share the word with those who need to hear it. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen online at lotcarry.org. Thank you.